Welcome to Two Bits, a podcast hosted by Mitch Sanders and Douglas Mudd and produced by the American Numismatic Association. We will continue with the second half of our numismatic literature roundup tonight. I hope you enjoyed the last one and here we go. All right, so what, what's next on your list? Well, as you know, my, one of my favorite areas of numismatics is ancient coins. And uh, I've actually mentioned the, the series of books in the past, but Wayne Sales back in the 90s created a new series of books on ancient coin collecting. And they were designed as primers with the first one being an introduction to the whole field of ancient coin collecting. And uh, by that he meant basically anything from the earliest development of coins to around uh, the seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth century. Um, he, he included Byzantine coins and that actually takes the, the series up into the medieval period, but Byzantines can be easily called ancient coins because they began right at the ancient cutoff period, which is around the 500 AD. So ancient coin collecting, the first volume uh, is a great introduction to the, the whole field of ancient collecting. And then there's five other volumes that go from Greek coins to Roman coins to Eastern coinage, and then ends with uh, coin counterfeiting, ancient coin counterfeiting, which is a, a fascinating volume in and of itself because it sort of, it gives the history of counterfeiting of coins from the contemporary counterfeits meant to fool people for economic reasons. So you, you make a false metal copy of a gold coin or a silver, silver coin that's worth a lot less and all you have to do is pass it off once and you've made your profit to the whole and very fascinating story of um, more modern counterfeits. So collector counterfeits either meant to fill holes in collectors collections uh, so especially in the Renaissance era and beyond, there were people who created collections of say the Roman emperors and some of them are very difficult. Uh, why not talk to your talented artist friend who could make a copy uh, from drawings or even fantasized copies and that way you could have them in your collection. And then uh, so you, you get pieces like Cavino and other things. Some of them, the Paduans are, are somewhat counterfeited, but also somewhat uh, just intended as placeholders for items that people couldn't get. So they weren't necessarily intended to fool people. And then he goes into the full on industry of uh, modern counterfeiting of ancient coins. And it's, it's a fascinating read in and of itself. So it's, it's a great part of the six volume series. Um, what, what really I think is important is that there are very few really good books on ancient coins that are inexpensive. You know, the, the standard handbooks, you know, go for $60, $70 a piece, if not more. And uh, these were sold at $24.95, I believe. Let's see. Yeah, $24.95. So for a reasonable sum, you could get an in-depth introduction into Greek or Roman coins or, or some of the other series of ancient coins. Um, and I think it, it performed an essential service and it 
one indicator of the series popularity is that they were uh, republished as a second edition about, let's see, yeah, 1999 was when they were first published and the second publication was about six years later. And uh, it's, it's a great series of books. And if you can find them, they're, they're not currently in publication, but you can find them. And if you can, and you're interested in ancient coins, it's a worthwhile purchase. I remember when these books were coming out and I, I don't know, I don't think I had all the volumes, but at least maybe the first three or four uh, focusing on Greek and Roman <laughs> coins. And um, yeah, they're really, really helpful and really well done. Um, ancient coins is such a, such a diverse field you know you could have like i don't know how many volumes there are just about roman imperial imperial coins roman imperial coins you know there's at least six or seven volumes thick volumes just about that uh that area um, multi-volumes on just that one subject so then to cover uh, an overview it's just it's really needed because you can you can easily delve in but to have something that just sets the table and gives you some ideas about how to collect and what to collect and, and where to go next. It's a, it's a real service and it's, it's very accessible, um, very accessible series. Uh, doesn't require any, any background knowledge or any, any technical knowledge of the field. So uh, yeah, that's a great, a great series and a great way to get introduced to ancient coins. And that's one of the things that's really great about it. In a necessarily, he can't cover everything in depth, but he covers everything in enough depth to get people introduced introduced to the series, and also uh, perhaps give some interest to each of the different types. So, with the Greek coins, he talks about the different cities and the designs and the denominations, and and puts together information that. In many cases, it's you know considered very basic, but without it, it's hard to, to understand the the coinage. And he puts them in one place, easily accessible. And then the real advantage is that he talks about the basic references. So the British Museum series on Roman imperial coins, or the Roman provincial coins, or the the Greek coins. Uh, from the earlier British Museum series. You know, th these are advanced uh, references that for an advanced collector who, who has plenty of money and, and interest, these are the kinds of books that you would buy if you decided to get very serious about them, but they're also extremely expensive. I mean, to have the Roman Imperial coin series, you're talking uh, at a minimum $1,500, $1,600 to purchase the series. And uh, that's if you could find all of them. Uh, other series are even more expensive. So it, it's an essential, accessible, and easily absorbed reference. And a, a really good place to start before diving in. Or Absolutely. Maybe someone won't dive in. Maybe they will want an overview of ancient coins and uh, get, uh, get some of each. I can't say that because it's a much broader field than that, but uh, it's just uh, just some way to explore in general because ancients are really cool to have. Again, I talked about the historical connection with a piece of continental currency, but you know the historical connection of 
a coin that could have been used in fifth uh, century BC Athens or you know in uh, in Rome um, you know just uh, in the in the few centuries uh, first few centuries AD a Roman coin from such an early time um, it's a good way to do that and then if you want to dive in it's a guide to doing more um, but in any case it's ex extremely useful uh, that series of books uh, so like I said I know I, I know I I, I have them, um, but now you've inspired me to, to track them down and take another look because I, I have been doing more with ancients lately. So it'll be interesting to now go back and reread those uh, now ha having done some more and to, to get that perspective, that overview perspective once again. Absolutely. And, and as a starting place, if you do get really excited about a particular series, you can find the, the next step of what in-depth reference there is available so yeah and that's, that's um you know i think like i i meant to say this with respect to in god we trust uh, also but uh one thing that a, a great book will do is open up further opportunities for exploration for, for different different literatures or or different parts of the field um that are related so yeah these the books the wayne sales books definitely do that as well so right, I, what's got, next in line? I've got one more. I had a list of three, and now I'm, I'm down to the final one. My third, I wasn't quite sure what to include as my third choice. I mean, again, if we if we were going to do a podcast of like 30 favorite books, that we could have done that. There's, there's enough out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I decided to, to feature a book that is uh, quite new. It just came out. I haven't had it for very long, and it's, it, it's really well done in ways that I'll describe. Uh, and that book is Vatican City Coins, 1929 to 1978 by Peter Gentius. Among the many things I like about this book are that it's, uh, it's a really deep dive into a particular area of numismatics. And it's presented in a way, I think any subject that was presented in the way that this subject is presented would make for an interesting numismatic book. Like one characteristic that I think of um, with respect to great writing is that it's well done independently of the subject. Like just the way the subject is presented, it makes it interesting, even if someone doesn't initially have an interest, a great interest in the subject. Uh, it's interesting uh, even to someone with only a casual interest. Now, and you know, that probably is a pretty good description of my interest in Vatican City coins. Like I, I'm not, I don't really pursue them. Um, in uh, in great detail with great earnestness, but what but if I'm looking through world coins one way or another, you know I'm I often find myself um, uh, attracted to the Vatican City coins for a reason that I'll get into get into in just a minute. Um, but uh, the story of Vatican City coins, so uh, you know back uh, in the 19th century and earlier, the the there were before the unification of Italy, there were the Papal States. It was like another one of the Italian states that issued money and it was under the control of the Pope. But then after Italian unification, the Vatican was in kind of an ambiguous place with respect to politics and economics. But then starting in 1929, there were a series of agreements between Vatican City, um, as it's now known, and, uh, and Italy, whereby Italy would um, basically handle the coinage 
for Vatican City that was subject to certain uh, certain stipulations about the amount um, and, uh, and and some other details. But one reason why I, I really like this subject is that I think of all the mints around the world, the mint in Rome is right at the top in terms of uh, artist, artistic uh, ability and execution. Uh, and you see that on Italian coins, but I think you see that with even more diversity on Vatican City coins because they the designs change with more with more regularity. It's what really impresses me is that the uh, the engravers can can get such a strong three dimensional aspect. I mean, coins are three dimensional objects, but there's not that much depth. So the ability to convey depth using the limited relief that's available on a coin when that's done effectively, I think that's really impressive. And Vatican coins, um, among others from the Mint of Rome, certainly do that. Um, so the, the two things I, I really appreciate about the book, first of all, in terms of the coins themselves, one thing I appreciate about Vatican City coins is that there is a pretty broad range of allegorical representations. There are allegorical representations across uh, the world's coins. Um, but I think the Vatican coins, uh, it's just more elaborate. Like I, I went through the book and I made a list of the allegories on Vatican coins, charity, faith, hope, prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance, these are all represented symbolically. Um, and so it reminds me of the ancient Roman coins where the Roman empire would use these personifications to uh, convey what they were trying to convey as the virtues of the empire. Um, and so now to see these in modern form with such a, a, an elaborate array of allegorical devices, um, I, just, I really uh, appreciate that about Vatican City coins. Um, and then with respect to the book itself, um, it, it's a catalog, um, but it devotes basically two pages to each issue or to each type. Uh, one page, and, and the book is in both English and Italian. One page is a description of the coin and, and its motifs and when it was made and, and how many and other vital statistics. But then the other page for each coin design or for each coin type is nice large format imagery of the coin itself like two and a half three inches in diameter for each side uh, and it's every other page there's a, a really nice illustration like this and so it's just presented in in such a way that you can really see and appreciate the coins and their artistry um it's just it's it's produced uh in in such a nice way uh, and such beautiful coins and uh, so well presented, I I just find it so compelling on that basis, and that's that's why it's uh, here on my list today. Also, it's a book that has been uh, self-published, so it's also a testament to what's possible these days with modern technology and uh, with respect to uh, book design, production, creation, um, and the availability of volumes like this. So it's a uh, it, it's a real a real treat to see the coins the way they're presented here. This is. 1929 through 1978. I don't know if there's another volume uh, in preparation. There would be more issues in a later period. Um, but this book by itself is just really, uh, really enjoyable to look at. Yeah, that's a, that sounds like a great acquisition. The I've always been interested in papal medals, not so much the papal coinage, but uh, it's certainly a fascinating series because I know that 
both the metals and the coins have uh, covered a vast array of imagery. You know, I mean, yeah. typically you'll have the Pope on the metals for sure. The earlier coinages uh, either mentioned or featured on one side, but the the array of imagery and the allegorical um, elements that are featured are are amazing and, and very instructive if they're explained properly. So it's yeah, definitely and, a great book. And there's there are many other images uh, besides the allegories. Um, you know, some some that are uh, purely religious, others that are more uh, like you know a dove of peace. So um, not not a, I guess maybe that could be considered uh, allegory in, uh, in a similar way, um, although in a, in a different a different manifestation. Um, but I, I, I have been thinking of Vatican coins. Uh, it's like going as a tourist to go see a cathedral, right? It's just like such, such an impressive achievement um, in terms of the, the artistry and, and the way it was done. And I think the, the coins are, uh, are similar in spirit, except, you know, you don't, have to go to Europe to, to experience it. You can uh, have the book, or you can uh, you know the, these these coins are not not especially rare. Most of them, so uh, they're very accessible to collectors who are interested. Yeah, it sounds like a great book. Continuing with the theme of primers or elemental books that are a great introduction to numismatics, we have R. A. G. Carson's Coins of the World. Now this is. An older book, it's been around for quite a while at this point. Basically, it was the second impression was 1963, and it was first published in 1962. And what's interesting about this book is that it covers the history of coinage throughout the world, uh, starting in the ancient period and going by, by culture. So Greece, Rome, Europe in general, breaking down the, the states, then the New World, Australasia, Africa, and the Near East, on to India, the Far East, and then even discussions about tokens, counters, and counterweights, uh, all of which are very, very interesting. Some of the information is a little bit outdated, but it's such a general work that it's, it's not, I mean, basically 90% of it is absolutely true today. And what I find fascinating, why I use it quite a bit, you can see I've got a lot of uh, bookmarks in it because yes, I, I, I use the things. I know our listeners can't see, but I will, I will testify. Right. Yes, it's yes. well used. The, um, the descriptions are really interesting because it doesn't just describe the coinage and what it is and denominations. He also speaks a little bit about the background of why they were issued, how they related to other coins of the period, and to some extent their political, economic, and artistic background and value. So not only why did they issue these things, but also discussions of why they fit for that time period. Was there an intent to replace another coinage i.e. Uh, economic rivalries, or were they emergency issues that became permanent, or a, a whole variety of, of things that are often hard to find in numismatic catalogs or even just basic reference works, because so much, especially today, there's a tendency for something like 70 or, eight, 
or 80% of the books that are being issued to focus on the value and grade aspects of coinage without as much of a discussion of what they are and why they were produced. They're, you know, they, they tell you uh, through pictures, this is what the coins look like and then what dates they were produced, but not much uh, discussion of why they were produced or what the imagery is supposed to represent, you know, in, for example, with the um, development of the Spanish Empire, you know, the, the ideas that went behind it, you know, dividing the world into two between Portugal and Spain, with uh, the Pope overseeing this, and then the imagery that was created to represent this new world empire and the intent of the different elements of the imagery and, and what they represented. So it's a fascinating read in and of itself. And despite being about two inches thick uh, with, let's see, nice plates at the back and then over 600 pages of text, it's actually an easy read. That's, an, that's another one of its achievements then to be a, a comprehensive overview while still being uh, accessible. Um, and I, uh, I'm familiar with the book as well. And it's, you know, it's like, a, it's like a tour guide, you know, it's not gonna mm -hmm. tell you everything about everything. It just can't in, in that space, but it can tell you something about everything. And that by itself is an enormous achievement. Yes. and. What I find very useful is that um, you know, as a curator thinking about exhibits, in most cases, I have to cover a general area. Rarely do I have something other than small cases that are very, very specific and down to the nitty gritty of numismatic detail. And this is a great book as a starting place to find out about the stories that might be interesting to integrate into exhibits. And it has enough of the plates and all to um, really introduce you to these different series of coins. And uh, I find it uh, useful to peruse the book just to find some elements that are unusual or something that catch my eye that might start a story. I mean, he's, he's got all sorts of interesting pieces like a Maria Teresa Toller, which he talks about a little bit. Um, the fact that it was a world trade coinage, not something known much in the West because it was mostly focused in Africa and the Middle East, but yet a very important coinage for several hundred years. So in addition to numismatic uh, reading lists, we're also getting like a behind the scenes of numismatic museum curation. You've described uh, this book and the and the Newman book, uh, Early Paper Money of America, as uh, as go to sources, which um, that's a, a interesting behind the scenes glimpse at, at uh, putting together a numismatic exhibit. At least my my strange and unusual way to do it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, uh, it definitely works uh, through all your all your background and and what and then the contributions that these references are making too. Well, I mean, it's key to uh, my understanding my interest in coinage and how I do my exhibits. I try to integrate history and the coinage 
as closely as possible with a little bit of science, a little bit of economics. Um, and I think that brings in at least the general public in a way that a purely numismatic approach uh, doesn't. I mean, I've seen it work in some situations, but for the general public, they're not necessarily interested in rows and rows of coins uh, of all the same denomination with a date or a mint difference. They're interested in having the coins, but they want to have a connection to something that they understand and appreciate more than just minor variations in the metal. So uh, I think history is a critical element to that. Yeah, that's what makes it so interesting. And that's, uh, as we see all the time, numismatics connects to so many other fields, you know, like you said, economics and politics and uh, art, culture, and all the various elements of history that have gone into it. And that's, that's what makes for an interesting story. And that's, um, I think, what unifies all of these books that we've talked about is that they're approaching uh, approaching the hobby and, and numismatic items in that way as as uh, an interesting part of the human experience. And I, I think that's what makes the hobby so compelling and what makes these particular volumes so compelling. Absolutely. And in a major way, that's that's why we're here because we we love coins and we we're interested in them, coins, paper money, the history of numismatics, because they have such a wide range. At one point when I was working at the Smithsonian, uh, there was a, a major benefactor of the Smithsonian who was spending time go going into the different collections. He, he had given quite a bit of money and was close friends with the, the secretary of the Smithsonian at the time. And so he had access. And I remember having a, a discussion with him and this is the second time he'd been there. And he basically said that after looking through all of the Smithsonian collections and um, doing at least preliminary studies, his background uh, idea was what collection or collections would form the most complete story about the human experience, combining history and, and social history, science, economics. And he said he'd come up with two collections that had the, the greatest scope that could be covered including art and everything else. And it was the Smithsonian Library and the Numismatic Collection. And I, I think I have to agree with him because if you study numismatics with the widest possible lens, you can really cover art history, you can cover economic history, absolutely. You can cover history itself, plus the evolution of, of society. I mean, social history is, is a major element that can be deduced from the imagery and the choice of imagery over time. So I, I find that a very compelling argument for why uh, they should drop study of all other sciences and, and <laughs> stick with numismatics. No, I, okay, I'm kidding. But <laughs> the, whatever, whatever's going on in, in society, you can see it reflected on the coins. So that's a, that's yeah, a really important part of, of, of this hobby is, is the existence of all those connections. It's a, it's a small canvas, but if you understand the language of the imagery and the, the uh, shorthand that's used in the legends, there's a lot that can be discovered. And that's, I mean, that's why I'm fascinated, why I continue to be fascinated by coins. Mm -hmm.
that's that's why we're here. Well, this was a really interesting review of some uh, numismatic literature, both new and classic, and I'm I'm sure we'll do it again because this we could we could uh, have another list, you know, tomorrow with uh, uh, an equal number of, of equally compelling volumes. So there's always always something to talk about with respect to numismatic literature, and that's part of what makes it all so interesting. Well, thank you for joining us again for uh, the podcast, Two Bits, and I hope you'll come back again. Have a good evening, and we'll see you next time.